Well, hello friends, welcome here. Uh, my name's Brad, I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge Church, and I wanna invite you into our online space together as we reach out and ask the question, how are you really? Now we've walked this past season out together and we've talked about everything from transitions to parenting, to mental health, to grief and loss, to finances. And today uh, we're discussing an important but sometimes overlooked topic in the church. And that is how we navigate on this complex and sometimes confusing world of emotions. Now, I don't know what your experiences have been in the realm of emotions, but I grew up in a Christian tradition that de-emphasized or devalued the place of emotions, especially the complicated ones. Uh, when I grew up in that space, it was okay to feel things like joy or love, but if you started to experience emotions like anger or sadness, fear, disgust, or shame, well, those were just strictly off limits. And if you did experience them, you didn't talk about them with other people within Christian community. You went away somewhere and you got help. And then when you came back, you were all happy again and positive emotions. And then you showed those emotions in church on Sundays, not the complicated ones. And there was even a great illustration to help us keep this clear in our heads. It was the image of a train with a coal car followed by a caboose. And the engine of the train was facts, and the middle car was faith, and the caboose was feelings. The image was very clear. Feelings were not to be depended on. What was said was, as Christians, we do not depend on our feelings or emotions, but we place our faith in the trustworthiness of God and the promises of his word. Unfortunately, what I ended up hearing was something more along the lines of emotions have no place in your spiritual life. And as a result of that kind of immersive environment, I learned practicing a faith that was largely compartmentalized or separated from my emotions. I didn't give myself permission to name, express, or integrate them well into my lived experience and certainly not into my Christian experience. And I think maybe that somehow I was afraid to feel, I was somehow uncertain of maybe giving my emotional world too much weight, taking it away from the caboose and putting it in the engine might somehow unleash a torrent of untrustworthy emotions that wouldn't be helpful or useful. What if my emotions took me further away from God instead of toward God? And so if during that season of my life, emotions came up, I ignored them or tried not to pay any attention to them. Essentially, the complex emotions like fear, anger, and sadness, if those emerged, I would distract myself and I would try to move on to the next positive or happy thing in my life. But I've come to see that emotions don't actually function as a caboose. They function more like signposts. And if you and I are willing to not simply stuff them down or deny their existence, our emotions can point the way to places 
of rich and deep transformation in our lives and in our relationship with ourselves and with others and with God. After all, the scriptures reveal God as a being who possesses and expresses emotion. Right at the beginning of the scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, when God creates something, God declares it as very good. In other words, God bursts with the emotion of delight and love over all that he made. Tracking further uh, in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 3, God says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, and with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Looking in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus experienced a full and wide range of human emotions. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, we are reminded that Jesus was deeply distressed. And then in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus, it says, is filled with joy through the Holy Spirit. Jesus also rightly and righteously is filled with non-sinful anger when he sees the pervasive disdain that people are using the temple with as a place of commerce instead of a place of worship and honor to God. And so Jesus turns over the tables and ousts those who are changing money and practicing dishonesty there. And then there's the shortest verse in the Bible, which states simply but quite profoundly and very emotionally that faced with the loss of a close friend, Jesus wept. So take a moment to pause and think about the implications of the fact that God feels things. God not only has a mind to think about things, about the world, about you, about me, God not only possesses a will to accomplish things, but God also possesses emotions. God feels things. And because you and I are created in the image of God, we are designed to feel things too, even if we're not always aware of it or attuned to it. I gave my wife a book uh, this past Mother's Day by author Mike McHarg. Now, he's a podcaster who goes by the nickname Science Mike, and the book is called You're a Miracle and a Pain in the Ass, Embracing the Emotions, Habits, and Mystery that Make You, You. Now, I may want to have thought for a few minutes about how my dear wife might feel about me giving her a book with the subtitle, You're a Pain in the You-Know-What, in the very title of the book, but she said she wanted to read it. Now, I certainly don't agree with everything that Mike puts forward on his podcast or in this book, but in parts of his book, Mike wrestles very helpfully with coming to terms with his experience of his spirituality and his emotions. And he writes this, quote, Many of us lack the emotional literacy to understand what we're feeling in moments of stress. We often don't know what emotion we're having, much less how intense it will be if we don't suppress it. 
but we can ask questions to help us understand what our feelings are trying to tell us. What are you feeling? Where are you feeling it? How big is the feeling? And when we start to answer these questions, they can help us move from anxiety into a more direct relationship with the emotion that is causing it." Unquote. And one of the things that I'm still working at discovering in my life is that maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons God has given us emotions and feelings is not to break us, but to help us, and maybe even to participate in our healing. In their excellent book, The Cry of the Soul, Dan Allender and Tremper Longman summarize for us the ways that, uh, why awareness of our feelings are so important. They say this, quote, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control over our inner world. We're frightened and we're ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness. And neglecting our intense emotion, we are false to ourselves and we lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God." End quote. In other words, friends, if you and I want to know and experience transforming love, real connection, with God and with other people, we need to learn to speak the language of emotions, even if we learn it imperfectly. In the summer of 2015, Disney's Pixar Studios released a masterclass, I think, on navigating complex emotions in the form of a major motion picture. It was entitled Inside Out, maybe you remember it. In this movie, we meet in an animated form the voices that live inside all of our heads. Sadness, fear, anger, disgust, and the overly optimistic joy. The movie pictures the various emotions taking turns at the control center of the brain of an 11-year-old named Riley. And when a tragic series of events sweeps joy and sadness off to the far reaches of Riley's brain, the only emotions at the control center are fear, anger, and disgust. I won't spoil the ending for you, but that image of the control panel inside of our heads has stuck with me as a helpful way for thinking about and engaging with my own emotions. See. Some of us have placed a large sign on the control panel of our lives. And when scripture invites us to love the Lord our God with our mind, we're all good and we're all in for that. When scripture says, love the Lord with all of your soul, we say, check, I wanna do that. But some of us do not yet know how to express love 
to God or receive love from God with our emotions. And some of this might be the product of the culture or the time period or the family system or the faith system that you might have spent time growing up in. But some of us have even further developed this and refined it as a coping strategy over time. We don't wanna look foolish or stupid or out of control. And so we put up a big sign on that control panel, do not touch. We refuse to get too emotional during worship in song or when something happens around us that touches us deeply or something beautiful stirs us. We actually short circuit or sidestep the process so that we don't actually feel the full weight of some of those complex emotions. Others of us have learned to put up a big button on the panel that acts as a master kill switch. And when intense emotions come our way, like grief or loss or anger, we hit the kill all button and we lock things down. And this sometimes happens to us when we've lived through significant trauma. So even when we need to cry or feel angry in a healthy way because we're stirred by injustice in the world, some of us have learned to simply shut our emotions off by hitting that kill switch. And part of the challenge becomes that if we do this too often, it can become our default and we become over time incapable of feeling anything deeply. I've personally felt that disconnect because my experiences taught me that I could be spiritually mature, at least I thought, while remaining emotionally immature or disconnected. And it's only been in recent years that I have done additional interior work to try and get in touch with how I actually feel about things. Not simply so that I can be all weird and, and, uh, and, and in touch with my emotions, but actually so that I can learn to know both myself better and the world and then God who created me and who God created me to be and what God is inviting me to do in God's world. I'm learning that my emotions don't authenticate truth, but they sure are helpful indicators of what's going on in my life and in the world around me if I pay attention to them. So as we round the corner into summer months, let me commend to you a few thoughts and a few points of action to help bring some additional clarity to the question, how are you doing really? The first thing is, Maybe you might need to learn to identify and name a wider range of emotions. And one way you might be able to do this is just by picturing yourself expressing that emotion to someone else or someone expressing that emotion to you. You might need to set aside for a little while the categories of good or bad emotions and just learn to sit with them. Learn to not simply be reactive to the things that are occurring in your life. Feel the full weight of some of those emotions and try and name them. Get to know your emotions because you can't change what you cannot name. You might need to watch some movies to actually stir something up in you or a movie like Inside Out to try and put some language around a way of going about that. The second thing you might want to think about is examining them. 
When someone asks you the question, how are you really? Where do you go to? What language would you use? Because emotions have a dynamic and powerful role to play in our lives. They don't get to be the arbiter or authenticators of all truth, but they are helpful indicators. So ask questions like, what does this emotion tell me about my life? What does it tell me about the world? What does it tell me about God and my relationship with God? Last week, uh, Mike Ryder talked about the practice of journaling. And maybe for you, a helpful practice would be to try and write down some of your feelings as a part of your daily interactions with God. And this might allow you to see some patterns and hear God's invitation for you to feel differently about some things. And then lastly, sometimes our emotions actually do call us to places of action. They, they move us into the world in a new way. They teach us and tell us that some things need to change, whether in our own lives or in the world. For example, our anger can be an indicator that injustice in the world is real and we are called to speak and act for change. Our sorrow can move us to compassionate, responsive, sacrificial investment in the lives of others through time or presence or money. Our happiness and delight and joy can invite us to share in the delight that God feels over a lost person who comes into relationship with God. And so our emotions do teach us things if we're willing to pay attention to them. And so friend, as we finish this time together, I want to make sure that we don't close it out without an invitation for you to pay attention to what God might be saying to you today. You might be watching online and you might feel God stirring in your heart. During times uh, like throughout history, for example, the Great Awakening, God often moved in powerful ways to warm the affections of people's hearts so that they felt toward God a desire to move into deeper relationship. And they felt and experienced the power and the presence of God in a unique way. And that isn't always the case, but it often is the case that in an encounter with God, God can warm our hearts and our feelings in a way that causes us to say yes to the Spirit's invitation. And that might be what you're experiencing, and you may never have named that before, but I want to remind you that you can reach out and talk to us about that. I wanna remind you about our prayer line. It's open for you to call. Dial 604-629-7805, and on Sunday morning, one of our pastoral staff will pick up the phone and start listening. And if it's outside of that time, then voicemail will be forwarded to our staff and we'll be in touch. You can also, if you're watching on our church online platform, raise your hand and that will put you into a private chat with one of our pastoral team and we'd be happy to pray with you. And lastly, you can email us at prayer at jerichoridge.com. We would love to help you process what it is that God is inviting you to do and to say in this time. Well, friends, it's been a deep and sincere privilege to walk with you in this season. And so I wanna pray with and for you as we transition to responding to God through worship and song. Lord, our emotions have a powerful part to play 
in our lives, leading us to you or leading us away from you. And so we ask you today for mercy and for grace. Kind and loving spirit, we need your help to be controlled by you, Spirit of God, and not by our emotions. And so we do ask that things like jealousy or hatred or ungodly anger would be far from us. It would be replaced by your warm and comforting love and tranquility, peace, and compassion. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you.